0: sweet T and and D. am your co-host adrian
1: i'm thomas and i'm zach we're also co-hosts
0: you notice we never say that
1: we don't well i figured just they'd assumed. Yeah, they you're assumed just
0: there. i'm the only co-host you're the, you're
2: the only, only co-host you're the only
1: host in the title we're just here <laughs>
2: no you're the co-pilot and there is not a pilot so oh, no. okay. we're all team. along for the ride we're
1: sweet. all just flight attendants in your podcast <laughs> that's yeah
2: yeah awesome
1: it's been a um, while.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, we all made it through the holidays and got our sicknesses, yeah. and was sick for like a week. And now we're back. And we as made everyone
0: it. was, I don't I think I know a single person who was not sick in the two weeks after Christmas. <laughs>
2: Oh, don't raise your sick. hand. Don't you raise
0: your, your hands hand. There. God. God, everyone got sick. Yeah. Now no, granted is... I was
1: off work and home by myself, so no one got me sick. Oh. So ah. And I did manage to survive the first freeze in Texas too. So I'm currently winning today. Nice. So. Nice.
2: So. <laughs> yeah. No. Um so, if I, we're Adrian and I are finally to the point where we can uh, record a podcast and not hack and cough through the entire thing. Though, it would have been I make a lot no it
1: promises. I appreciate that.
2: We, we, we won't roll out a, a sneeze every now and then. I make no promises.
1: Me or a cat screaming or a dog barking. It's just a soundboard of wonder. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: What monster are we doing?
2: We are getting back in the old monster manual. On page Where 180 to look at the half-dragon.
0: Oh, yeah. We did our whole dragon series and then never <laughs> talked about the half part. <laughs> the
2: half-dragon. Which, we can talk about this a little bit later, but... um So, the half-dragon, said page 180, Monster Manual. When a dragon, in polymorphed form, mates with another creature, the union sometimes produces half-dragon offspring. A creature might also transform into a half-dragon as a result of a mad wizard's spell or a ritual bath in dragon's blood. Ew. Well, we did finally get into, like, oh, do they fuck? Yes. They do fuck. But not how, but, I mean, a little bit. I mean, if they're polymorphed into a humanoid, I guess we know how that works, generally.
0: As humans, yes. yes.
2: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I'll read a book on it later or something. There's a
1: podcast on it.
2: Right, right. In all these cases, the result is a creature that combines the essence of a dragon with the form of its original race. Regardless of origin, all half-dragons have similar appearances and special abilities. Uh, draconic nature half dragons can't procreate no oh, they're uh, mules they're,
1: sterile. they're not fucking
2: uh n- that didn't say that <laughs> just says there's no results from it
1: oh gotcha gotcha <laughs> that's a very important part
2: yeah yeah no consequence. Uh, those that wish to do so must almost always resort. I <laughs> Zach turned so red. <laughs>
1: just, it was more I was laughing so hard and I tried not to, to record it. I was just like, oh, no, they're <laughs> sterile. No con- You went with there's no consequence. Consequences. Like, oh, no, they're sterile.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guess they could still get venereal diseases, though. Uh, True. Probably not. Dragon. I don't know. Anyway, no babies no babies half dragons can't procreate those that wish to do so must almost always resort to magic by way of compensation half dragons are blessed with long life a typical half dragon's lifespan is twice that of its non-draconic line is twice yep so that a half dragon human might live more than a century and a half Half-dragons inherit personality traits common to their draconic heritage. For example, half-gold dragons are often shy and secretive, while half-copper dragons are impish and playful. Half-green dragons are deceitful, while half-white dragons are often dim-witted brutes. <laughs> These traits are tempered by a half-dragon's other lineage, but greed, arrogance, and paranoia are qualities that even good-aligned half-dragons often possess.
0: Nice. That sounds fun.
2: Right. Well, and so... And then this has a half-dragon template. Um, A beast, humanoid, giant, or monstrosity can become a half-dragon. It keeps its statistics except as follows. Challenge. To avoid recalculating the creature's challenge rating, apply the template only to a creature that meets the optional prerequisite in the breath weapon table below. Otherwise, use the guidelines in the Dungeon Master's Guide to recalculate the rating after you apply the template. Okay. So yeah, there's a there's a table down here. We'll, there's we'll get extra to extra math
1: involved is what mm. it sounds
2: like.
0: We have to do more math.
2: Somewhat, yep. Senses, the half dragon gains blind sight with a radius of ten feet, and dark vision with a radius of sixty feet. Resistances, the half dragon gains resistance to a type of damage based on its color. Black or copper gets acid damage resistance, blue or blonde. Blue or bronze.
1: Blue or blonde. Someone's been reading some German lore.
2: (laughs) Right. You you see where bronze got changed to blonde. Um, Blue or bronze is lightning resistance. Brass, gold, or red is fire resistant. Green is poison resistant. And silver or white are cold resistant. Um, languages, the half-dragon speaks Draconic in addition to any other language it knows. Um, new action, it now, the half-dragon has the breath weapon of its dragon half. The Mm -hmm. half-dragon's size determines how this action functions. So... Oh, I
0: guess, oh, and I guess size is based on what creature it mates with? Yes. Yes. Okay.
2: So, if it's a large or a small, it gets the breath weapon of a wormling. Ew. Um... The optional prerequisite is it's a challenge rating of two or higher. If the size is huge, its breath weapon is the same as a young dragon, and the challenge rating is uh, it's the optional challenge rating is seven or higher. If it's a gargantuan, um, it has an adult dragon's breath weapon, and it's a challenge of eight or higher. Damn. So. And then it gives us... The stat block it gives us here is a sample of a half-dragon template that has been applied to a human veteran who wears plate armor. So that's kind of the stat block we'll get here. Um, So half-red dragon veteran. uh, Medium humanoid, any alignment. An armor class of 18, which is the plate male. Uh, Hit points of 10d8 plus 20, and a speed of 30 feet. A strength of 16, a dex of 13, a con of 14, an intelligence of 10, a wisdom of 11, and a charisma of 10. Um, On skills, it gets plus 5 to athletics and plus 2 to perception. Damage resistance, it's resistant to fire, uh, because it's red dragon. Uh, senses blind sight 10 feet, dark vision 60 feet, and a passive perception of 12. It speaks common and draconic, and is a CR of 5. On its actions, it gets a multi-attack. The veteran veteran makes two longsword attacks. If it has a short sword drawn, it can also make a short sword attack. The longsword... Uh, is a melee weapon attack with plus five to hit a reach of five feet of one target on a hit it does 1d8 plus three slashing damage or 1d10 plus three slashing damage if used with two hands so yeah you go from a d8 to a d10 if you're using two hands on that one the short sword is also a melee weapon, plus 5 to hit, a reach of 5 feet, 1 target. On a hit, it does 1d6 plus 3 piercing damage. He has a heavy crossbow, uh, which is a ranged attack, plus 3 to hit, a range, uh, 100-400 feet, 1 target. On a hit, it does 1d10 plus 1 piercing damage. And then he has the fire breath weapon. Um, Recharges on a 5 or a 6. The veteran exhales fire in a 15-foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a DC 15 dexterity saving throw, taking 76 fire damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. So, half-dragon and dragonling are just two different words for the same thing, right?
1: Ah, that's a good question. Let me see. Because that's the
2: first thing that comes to my mind. is like, oh, I'm playing a dragonling.
1: See, a cuz it's it's a dragonborn. I'm not Oh,
2: dragonborn.
1: The... Okay, uh, sorry. No, dragonborn are like a separate race from this. Huh. They do get breath weapons. It is a way to kind of get close to that. Um, mm. but they are technically different because they are they aren't really impacted by the lineage of both parents. They just have some type of draconic ancestry more than anything. Mm. And it's just something they they possess. And there's a whole argument of whether or not they have tails. Take care of you will.
2: You're deep in the, deep in that lore? Deep in that meta of the tail?
1: Uh, it was kind of a thing that, like, like the book says they have no tails, but most people will add a tail to them to make them more worm-like or, you know, dragon-like. And so they're like, yeah, they have tails. And the people just argue about how the rules are written, or not the rules are written, but the lore is written for them. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, so, I like these creatures. Uh, I have not played one. I did DM with a monster that used this. So, Horde of the Dragon Queen includes a half dragon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he is in like the early combat or the early book chapter. I think maybe chapter one or two of that book. Uh, his name is uh, Langdrosa Cyanrath.
0: That's it's a mouthful. Wrathful.
1: Yeah, that's a name. Um, I'm fairly certain we just called him Lang, because we didn't have that kind of time. Uh, So he works... The Horde of the Dragon Queen is a plot about resurrecting Tiamat and bringing Tiamat back to the current material plane. But there's this whole thing about getting wealth for and that's kind of what the Horde is about, is accumulating more and more wealth. That's a brief overview of what's going on in that game, but the party's trying to figure it out.
2: It's almost like we need more lore background or something.
1: Yeah. Wink, wink. Wink, nudge, nudge. I just failed at winking... Uh, so, uh...
2: It's, 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 it's not a visual medium.
1: It's fine. it's not a visual medium, and you shouldn't... Uh, wink, wink, you got it. I nailed it. Podcast nailed it. achieved. Audio uh-huh. form achieved.
2: He'll so, edit, uh,
1: edit. this, uh, this dragon, half-dragon, is seven feet tall, and he has bright blue scales. Uh, he is lawful evil, so he has like his own strict code that he uses, which is why... Like, in this combat, it is very difficult for the party to successfully beat him in one-on-one combat, so he usually survives this. Uh, but it says that he has a strong sense of honor, but could be get driven to rage. Uh, I won't go over the rest of his backstory, but in most cases, it's a... They pick up some of their background from uh, like the color or uh, metal of the dragon that they behave as. He, in mm. this case, was blue, so he falls under the chromatic evil versions uh, for Tiamat, and that's just how he functions. He's he looks pretty dope, actually. He's like a blue dragon with uh, like purple armor. Nice. Uh, so it looks very fine he's got a spear or sword usually uh he's got a whole backstory i'm not going to go too far into it mainly because there's spoilers for word of the dragon queen if anybody spoilers. hasn't played it uh but the way i've always kind of approached it is you you take these creatures and you you give them what you can in the book like okay. the book doesn't take them too far because you either interact with them for a very short period of time or it's going to have like a block that says playing this character when mm-hmm. it comes to some of the books for him for this as either a mpc or a pc if you allow your players to choose it i think there should be a roleplay aspect of trying to have them kind of fight their nature and mm. maybe there's a particularly if you have two races or a chromatic dragon and a uh uh like an evil not there's no there are such things as evil races depending on the old books that you read but like depending on uh like certain race backgrounds they might have different feats and different problems or different backgrounds that cause them to be a little more crazier than that uh, or or worse than they are as like a normal tiefling or normal whatever you want to combine Mm -hmm. with it everybody assumes tieflings are evil right so the way I've always thought about this is just kind of give them a good backstory if you're going to use them as a long-term NPC, but if they're just there to fight, they'll give you a little exposition if they can, but in most cases, that breath weapon is going to be the worst part of it. Um, I had a hard time personally visualizing a gargantuan one of these, or a large, which is big. Like, yeah. they can be bigger. I It depends on what the dragon's uh, breeding with, right? Which is oh, weird man. thinking. Right. Bre- <laughs> I oh, mean, if he... What,
0: like, oh, anything <laughs> humanoid, right? Oh, it has to be humanoid?
2: Humanoid. Oh. Yeah. But, like, like what, an ogre would be humanoid, and not gargantuan, yeah. but large? I, yeah, what yeah.
0: humanoids are gargantuan?
1: Giants. Giants. Just giants. Which you yeah. could, uh, you could see a... Well, a dragon could get down to it. it. With it's kind of like a dachshund taking a lab, but uh, you know. I can kind of picture Yeah, it would be interesting to think about. And it might be like a polymorph, like you said, that they're turning into another humanoid size. Yeah. Dragon is a polymorph and not like a... It always has to look like this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that would be a... You could combine that. There's ways you can kind of build in the race to it. I think this would be an interesting NPC because they're constantly kind of fighting their nature as well as they're going to be difficult to fight like this guy kicks your butt but you're like level one and two in the beginning of it which makes sense because he's like a beginning boss in that plot line so When it comes to, like, building these out and having larger creatures, I think it would be an interesting thing of you could have, like, a line of I'm trying to find my mom or I'm trying to find my dad or I want to learn more about my history. How was I created? Like, there's a that's a character background you could work on. An NPC that they could be working with or another character background would be trying to find a way to reproduce. So Mm -hmm. it could be that they're looking for some type of magic to help them create Uh, their offspring and you're looking for spells or components while you're out and tasked with kind of finding that information or finding those Mm -hmm. resources when it comes to like the nicer side of it. Otherwise it could just be that they're trying very hard to maintain their ties, loyalty to their humanity versus their draconic side. Or maybe the draconic side is the more level-headed version and they're like fighting off an angry giant or ogre on the inside. It really depends on how you want to bring their background into it. I like the idea of having them try and find their parents as a plot line or using them as a, um, um, like, I feel like a
2: captain of, of other, like a leader of other easier things Yeah, would be so, a use. So many
1: options for it. Yeah. There, when it comes to combat, yeah, you're going to use your breath weapon. You're going to hit them with your weapons multiple times. There's really nothing too terribly fancy other than the breath weapon option. Um, mm. The only thing I don't recall is does it have a recharge like it does a normal... Dra- it says yes. it gives it based off it, so it's still a 5-6 recharge It's still a
0: 5-6 well. recharge. Correct.
1: Yeah, perfect. So, yeah, there is some things on that. That can be very rough. Like an adult dragon is going to wreck you, but that is also going to be a really large creature to begin with. A youngling isn't going to hurt that much. That's like a 5 or lower CR, right? Or 2 or lower. So you could fight them, but it's essentially the same thing as a... Uh, uh, for that level, a you're approaching dragon, yeah. like a draconic... Are a, you said dragonling earlier, and for some reason that is stuck in my head now. So a dragon dragonborn, board, excuse me. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, dragonborn. So I think the one of the things with dragonborns is they don't get dark vision, and I can't remember do these get dark vision?
2: They did get dark vision. Yeah, and I think dragonborns don't.
1: Yeah, that's a good combination. Like I would give your players an option for that if you want to have them build like a backstory or whatever. So always an interesting thing or. Um, it could be. It also mentions like a blood ritual or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are they there for? And you could have a whole plot of like somebody's been creating multiple dragons, uh, half dragons. What are they for? What are they? Are they a sacrifice? Are they a punishment? Like, what's going on? It wouldn't be a punishment for the person who had the child, because yeah, but it would be a different game on that. So, so. I like that. That is a very interesting creature. I completely forgot I had used one. I was looking up like an image of him because I was like, how do I picture a Gargantuan? And it's like, hey, remember this dude? I was like, I do remember knocking <laughs> the player unconscious with that monster. So, it's been a minute, but yeah. Yeah, I do remember knocking somebody down with that. So, yeah. Uh all right what do we got for our magic item?
0: We have the Arcane Cannon. This is from... Wild Mount. The Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. I wanted to say Adventurers, and I knew that wasn't right. Explorer's <laughs> Guide to Wild Mount, page 265. Um, it is a wondrous item. It is very rare. Um, and it's cool as hell. Um
2: that's just what it says in the description. It just right says there. that in the description. Yeah. Cool as, it as hell. It
0: just says
1: cool as hell.
0: Um it is okay. This large cannon is imbued with magic. That's a great start. It's an arcane cannon. It requires no ammunition and does not need to be loaded. It takes one action to aim the cannon and another action to fire it. After the cannon is fired, it has to recharge for five minutes before it can be fired again. So, you're not using this frequently in combat. Um, But, good one starting, good starting uh, what's the word? Salvo. That's the word, maybe. Um The creature firing the cannon chooses the effect from the following options. And there's a bunch of different things you can choose, so I'm just gonna go through them. We have one, two, three, four, five different things this cannon can do when you fire it. Um it doesn't sound like you need to roll to fire it.
2: No, it just sounds like you fire it and it you doesn't You just have fire. Ammo. You spin
0: two actions and you fire it. Right, you I'm gotta firing
1: aim my lasers. <laughs>
2: You gotta aim it.
0: I guess, yeah. Maybe that's why it takes a whole action to aim and a whole action to fire. It's gonna guaranteed uh, um, the, little, it other other a guaranteed hit. It is not a guaranteed hit. Well, yeah. yeah, there's saves. There's saves on the other end. Um, so, the acid jet is our first option. The cannon discharges acid in a line of 300 feet long and 5 feet wide. Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is it's... more like you got this on top of a castle wall, you shooting at an army or something. Um, Each creature in that line must make a DC 15 saving throw taking 4d10 acid damage on a failed save and half as much on a successful save. In addition, a creature that fails its saving throw takes 2d10 acid damage at the start of each of its turns. Um, A creature can end this damage by using its action to wash off the acid with a pint or more of water. So... That's the first thing you can do. Um, Fire jet. The cannon discharges fire in a line of 300 feet long, 5 feet wide. Um, So now we got fire instead of acid. Um, Each creature in the area must make a DC 15 dexterity saving throw, taking 6d10 fire damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. The fire ignites flammable objects in the area that aren't being worn or carried. So, got your classic fireball rules there. Um,
2: <laughs> ain't no wizard, but uh, check this shit out. <laughs> 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 laser of fire. Yep.
0: Yep. Just a laser fire.
2: It's like i will just kind of, you know, open up my uh, my bag of hold just wide enough to get the barrel of this thing. <laughs> <Okay>. Jesus. <laughs>
1: Boom.
0: Um, Next we have the Frost Shot. The cannon shoots a ball of frost to a point you can see within 1,200 feet. Oh. The ball then expands to form a 30-foot radius sphere centered on that point. Each creature in that area must make a DC 15 con saving throw. On a failed save, the creature takes 4d10 cold damage and its speed is reduced by 10 feet for one minute. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage and its speed is not reduced. Uh, a creature whose speed is reduced by this effect can repeat the save at the end of each of its turn, ending the effect on a successful... On a success. I can read. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, now we got a cannon of ice. That's fun.
2: That's what, three? We got...
0: That's three. Two more. Lightning shot. The, ball, the cannon shoots a ball of lightning to a point within 1,200 feet.
2: 1,200 feet is yeah. a heck of a range. Yes, it is.
0: Yeah. Um, the lightning that expands to form a 20-foot radius. Centered on that point. Each creature in that area makes a DC 15 dexterity saving throw, taking 60-10 um, lightning damage. So... Less damage, but it's or more damage, but it is a smaller radius. So I guess that's the balance there. It doesn't have
2: an effect, does it? Or, does um, it?
0: or yeah. Um, it does not have an, an effect, but creatures wearing metal armor have disadvantage on the save.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Good. Which you probably want to
2: wear in a siege.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. I have that problem in Breath of the Wild with, yeah. uh, when you have a... Thunderstorms roll up. If you're wearing anything metal, when they roll up, you can get hit by lightning. And it's very like. Makes sense. (laughs) It's very nerve wracking when you start sparking. (laughs) You're like, shut your armor, shut
1: your armor.
0: Stop,
2: stop, stop, stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, last type of effect the poison spray. The cannon expels poison gas in a 60 foot cone, so a much smaller area here. Um, this is for that close up sixty foot cone versus twelve hundred foot. Well, that
2: was that was a point within twelve hundred feet, but like the the fire jet was three hundred. Oh, Oh, three hundred. Yeah. And this is sixty foot cone. Sixty foot. Okay. So okay. When yeah.
0: you, if you're in it, we start getting a bit closer. You switch to the poison spray. Yeah. Um, I hope there's not a
2: you know a headwind when you do it.
0: Each creature in that. Ah, uh, we don't have those mechanics in D and D.
2: We could.
0: We don't. <laughs> each creature in that area must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw on a failed save. The creature takes 4d10 poison damage and is poisoned for one minute. Um, on a successful save, the creature takes half as, half as much damage and is poisoned. A creature poisoned in this way can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turn and in the effect. Remind me what the poisoned condition is. Who remembers?
1: Disadvantage on attack rolls. and saves okay. Usually. Okay. So it's, there's it's, no additional is it not a damaging. Damage. I no. thought it was a damaging effect. No. it's no. A, There's poison damage, and then the poison effect is that you are uh, you have disadvantage. Disadvantage.
0: Okay. That's what I was. I was like normally. Yeah, I couldn't remember what it was. Uh, okay. So those are the five things you can do with your arcane cannon. You only get one shot every five minutes, but could be powerful in certain uh, situations. Like
2: long-term or if you have it mounted on something that you're flying over somewhere else or
1: murder Ooh. murder thomas murder. is
0: plotting his murder
1: group murder large group, murder. group murder. i was gonna say mass huh?
0: murder
1: mass murder yeah i mean if it's if it's a if it's a
2: wartime situation, they're co- they're enemy combatants, and then it's not against the Geneva Conventions, except the poison gas. That one is. <laughs> that one
1: definitely is. That yeah. one definitely is. Probably so is the acid. <laughs> yeah, fire. Or so fire. Nah, just yeah. Fi- Ice. I mean, it does damage, but it mainly slows people down. So you're really not doing too much. But electricity
2: yeah. and all that and all that armor seems. Mean. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, electricity and rubber shoes, though, mm-hmm. in modern military work, is that going to stop you from frying? No, but it'll hurt a little less. <laughs> depending what you're standing on. And I if was going to say, no.
2: I don't, don't make it hurt a little less. Make it, make it completely <laughs> bad and faster. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> like, making, like, end it. <laughs> make it stop hurting as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. Please. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. I like that weapon. That is... I think that kind of moves into what we can talk about today is kind of moving as our DM tip of mm-hmm. siege weapons and yeah. sieges in general. So I, you use as I'm currently running a Spelljammer jammer campaign. Some of the ships have siege weapons on them, like ballista and trebuchets, mm. and oh, uh, what's the one that hmm. fires? Oh, trebus- ballista does that, trebuchets, and then the other one, which is like a mangonel or something that fires boulders.
2: A, a trebuchet in space sounds like an interesting...
1: <laughs> yeah, physics is weird on that one. It's not uh-huh. a trebuchet, it's a mangonel and a ballista are the common ones. Mm-hmm. And other than like ramming parts of a ship, which a mangonel is kind of just like a a trebuchet, but smaller.
2: Because I was going right. to say, that uh, okay. like... Oh, Yeah. I'm thinking a trebuchet on a craft in space would cause the entire thing to start spinning and be very difficult to aim.
0: Now nah, yeah. you got propellers and shit.
1: Yeah, they all fly by magic. It, it just does it, right? Like, you could just hand wave it away, right? But sure. the, now that I think about a mangonel is under tension. It doesn't have a counterweight. So you just fire it and the, the force goes back into the base of the ship. So let's just assume it's not enough force to spin it around. But what do I know? Mm-hmm, I haven't mm-hmm. thought about the amount of force it takes to fire a projectile <laughs> 300 feet. But we, we've we been working on kind of like firing these things. And one of the things I've noticed with these large machineries is it does take multiple actions. like. That Mm -hmm. what you just described is two rounds. So in five minutes, that's nothing, right? Like every five minutes you're taking the time to do that. Hand wave that away. When it comes to these other items, it's like, okay, well, you guys are chasing each other or you're fighting here. I had a player who um, shot a boulder at another one just to crush them because they were at one of the other items at the other ship's manganel. And so they beat the crud out of them and killed them. It was a simulation, but they did it anyways. And in doing so, it was a... Uh, it took a few rounds. Like It takes three rounds to two rounds to load some of these devices. And then to aim them. So you load, you aim, and you fire. That's the mm. biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it can be difficult when the ship moves around. But when it comes to like actual sieges, I think a lot of it is more story element than it is mechanical and combat. So you're thinking of, let's say the party's defending. That party, I would expl- explain, like, are they on the top of the walls trying to hold things back? Right. What spells are they launching? Are they instru- If they're in charge and leading, they're probably, like, telling other NPCs what to do and their actions. They're inspiring. You can have the bard inspire. You can have everybody do different things. The combat uh, fighter, the one who's really good at maneuvers, might be mm-hmm. guiding people and doing better work on that the wall side. But when it comes to like actual combat, if they're defending, that's where, yeah, they're engaged in their own rounds, but everything else around you is more of a scene setting. You're not rolling, like if they're running through a field of combat, you can explain what's going on, add some sound effects, put some dope ass music over it. But you're not (laughs) rolling every attack, like they need to focus on their own survival and then you can decide if they're NPCs that they're worried about Or something like that. Either they try to get them to stop fighting in the first place. Or you're doing your best to make sure they live. And there's a roll. Like, oh yeah, grandpa fought. There's like an 80% chance they're going to die. And then you can roll that at the end. My 27-year-old brother or whatever joined the fight. Probably a higher chance of survival, right? Mm -hmm. So... You can kind of roll that off or just kind of decide that on the end. But the other thing to consider is one, there's environmental stuff. Like you said, this this cannon itself. Now you have an ice floor or ice damage to worry about or a lightning ball. Like there's different things going on. Every five minutes in like a normal combat round, you're not really worried. Ten rounds is a minute, right?
2: But a so, long term siege, yeah, yeah <laughs> that thing's going to be fired time. off
1: every five minutes. Exactly. And in this stuff, you'd have to worry about that. You'd have to worry about acid. You have to worry about fire, lightning, all that stuff. The poison cloud is the big one. And, mm-hmm. and it could be that you watch something come down as a poison cloud, and your druid has to use wind to gust it away. Like, there's so many things that they could do to help their group. And that could be what they're doing. Their support they're frontline fighters or they're ranged casters and fire shooters so i always see sieges are probably going to be a broken up party thing unless everybody's just a good old frontline fighter and they're standing guarding the door or something and To make it more of a theatrical story, you could have them holding the door shut as the group's trying to break in. And as you're doing so, like weapons are piercing through the door or anything and people are getting stabbed right next to you. You could have explosions going off that require like a con save from the explosion or a dex save from it, because clearly these magical items exist. Uh, You could have walls being broken you can have all sorts of stuff there's fabricate for wizards there's all sorts of spells if i were a wizard i'd probably be trying to kill versus repairing a wall but that would be me being the glass cannon that i usually play versus a i'm gonna make a bridge like type canister so
2: (laughs) i i guess i think of in a longer term situation you might have like side quests of like oh we're running out of food, like, food. We need somebody to get outside of the wall and get stuff back in. Stuff like that.
1: That's
0: a sneak mission.
2: Exactly.
1: That is a perfect mission of uh, this is something I think Mistborn has something like this. There's, Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. surrounded by like two armies. They're the third. They're clearly the weakest. They are cut off of their supplies. That could be something you're doing. It could be depending on the side you're on. Are you looking for people sneaking out? Are you guarding those places they think they could sneak out of? Or are you doing the sneaking yourself? Or it could be, you're invading something but you know an npc or a family member who's caught in the middle of this all or anything like that and you need to sneak into the city and get them out before the siege happens the next day like there's so many opportunities for the players to get involved because fighting isn't always something your group has to do all the time (laughs) if that's their jam then yeah do it but if they want to keep fighting and taking on member or like NPC creature after creature, go for it. But if you're there to like write a story and tell it about them give them their environment. Give them something to do in the background. Maybe they're, they are in the middle of a fight but they hear a disturbance from the other side of the city or like a bell goes off and they only have the passive perception to hear it over the din of the combat. Now they need to break off and go do something else and you're splitting the party up. And I mean that's a good way to split the party up if you want to cause some shenanigans too. Right. Or if
2: you, you know, oh, somebody's not going to be available next week. Right, right. They're
0: just just kind of off doing their own part of the thing.
1: Yeah, like you managed to hear something in the middle of all this and managed to find a way to make it there and hopefully help. And that could be a boon or a bane, right? Like they left to go do this. They pulled people away, but they prevented a a flank or something like that. And you could also have them strategize the... Combat. So there's an opportunity for somebody to be like, hey, we should move people here. They could be, instead of directly fighting, looking at a map of what's going on as information comes in. And you could have like a caster using clairvoyance or something, to, or like a, a scrying spell to see what's going on or something similar. To
2: nah, just make the druid turn into a flying thing and fly over it. <laughs> that
1: works too. Yeah. <laughs> a druid with some ways of communication, something like that to explain right. what's going on. So, it'd be a perfect opportunity to really put your characters under positions of authority where they need to lead. Or are they soldiers? If they're low-level or or soldiers, take, Or great. take
2: orders, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that would also be a an opportunity to gain renown is one they might see their commander or the point of the person in charge next to them fall in combat and they end up doing a rally they end up getting everybody together to survive and now they've established their own reputation and you can build off of that so there's Mm -hmm. always opportunities to build the the players up with these types of encounters I like it. And it doesn't have to be a big siege. It could be like a raiding barbarian clan or whatever is coming by, or goblins are coming to take the village. Like if you start in a small village, goblins coming at night is terrifying, especially with pack tactics. But if you're under like a well-defended wall, this is a great opportunity to do stuff like that as well. Right. Right. Fun so, fun. Perfect. Yeah. Any recommendations of things to read? Well, right
2: now we're both well you just finished it you actually finished it before i did um, but i am a little over halfway through clarial by garth nix which i know i've recommended his trilogy um sabriel lyriel and abhorsen which is abh abhorsen mm-hmm. um you get funny looks when you say that sometimes because people don't hear you quite correctly. But it is the Abhorson series, which is the one that is about a uh, a necromancer that works for the kingdom to yeah. keep the dead dead. And yes. so Clariel is a prequel to that series that's set, I believe, it's either six or eight hundred years before the event of that the events of those trilogies.
0: Something like that. But it does lots of fun world building. Does some build some background. Yeah. The history of the world. And
2: and Ooh. I just enjoy Garth Nix's writing. He's, yeah. He's a lot of fun.
1: Um, nice. So. What ended up winning our poll? Ooh. For Can books. I can't pull yeah. it up on my phone. I don't know why it dislikes me. Oh, well, that's I where got I was going to pull it up. <laughs> you got signed out.
0: And I never signed back in. Oh, no. So now Thomas.
1: Thomas I also has... changed phones. I dropped my other one and had to get it replaced.
0: Thomas so. has soul oh, no. insta-access. Oh, no.
2: Let's see. Uh, looks like Stormfront got 20%. Of Shadow and Sea by Will White got 20%. Way of the King by Brandon Sanderson got 20%. And Red Rising by Pierce Brown got 40%. Of oh.
0: oh, okay. Shadow and Sea is what I'm reading, right?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: I am currently uh, reading of Red Rising.
0: Sh-
2: Sea and Shadow is what you're...
0: I'm reading. Yeah.
1: yeah. I am currently reading Red Rising. Um, I think I'm probably about a fifth of the way done. I read... Uh, I didn't have Red Rising on audiobook over my Christmas break. And I ended up listening to like Stormfront and uh, like another audiobook that I had that I needed to get through. So Red Rising I'm listening to uh, now. I finally got it. I do have a physical copy, but I don't sit around long enough to read. But it is good. I enjoy it. It's uh, The only thing I'm having issues with is I have a hard time. The, the gentleman narrating has like a Scottish-Irish accent. I believe it's uh, Scottish. Mm. No, it's, it might be Irish. I can't tell apart when I'm listening and driving at the same time. So uh, every now and then I'll miss a few words and they'll establish some lore. And I'm like, yeah, that. So uh, <laughs> I, I need to pay more close attention to it. But I, I highly recommend it. I, I've got mm-hmm. The Clarial by uh, Garth Nix. And the first one of that one was Sabriel. Sabriel is the original trilogy. And then,
2: so, it's, I guess that world is called, like, the Old Kingdom yeah. um, world. And so there are, uh, there is another book that is a collection of short stories called Tales from Across the Wall. That is also set in that same world. That's just a collection of short stories that is is pretty fun. Um,
1: but, yeah. Gotcha. Oh yeah, there's Sabriel, Liriel, and Lirial. Abhor- Lirial? Lirial? Yeah. And then Abhorson and then Clariel. Yes and then Golden there's one more Hand. Golden Hand.
0: Is the neither of us have read that one yet. No. That no. one is not a prequel, I don't think. I don't know I don't where that so. one fits in. The original trilogy is Sabriel, Lyriel, and Aporson. And these other two books have come out later. Much later.
1: Would you recommend reading Clariel first instead of the other since it's a prequel? No,
0: no, I don't think so. No, read I don't Sabriel. think it. W- I don't think it would actually matter.
2: But if you're gonna read any of them, read Sabriel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. So yeah, we should wrap this up. I forgot. Whoops. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're still recording an episode. <laughs> Say bye, everybody. Bye.
1: bye. bye.